were just we were just happy to get off of work and show up in Ron McGovney's garage and have a place to jam. I mean that was that that was enough. And then it becomes not enough and you think, well, the next thing is you do a gig and then the next thing is oh you write more songs and this and that and you do the demo and all of a sudden, you know, well you get a you get a song on, on someone's uh, compilation <laughs> record. You know, quality wasn't that important to us. It was the content, you know. And and actually, you know, getting to that point of doing a record, you know, when we finally went out east, Johnny Z got us out east, you know, we drove the U-Haul all the way out there and uh, uh, got funds together for the record. You know, we were up in, you know, uh, up in Rochester, New York, and, you know, we never, never been to New York, and all of a sudden we're, you know, recording a record out in the, uh, out there, and, um, you know, making a record. We had done demos before. We kind of knew what we wanted. I knew what I wanted guitar-wise and stuff. And um, but you always have, you know, you have dreams, man. You have visions of. I remember being at school, writing. You know, I'm drawing up the band I'm gonna be in. I already know the name of the record. I know what it's gonna look like and all this stuff. And it's it's a it's a dream that that started to come true. Welcome, one and all, to another exciting episode of the Middle Age Metalheads. Tonight, I am Michael Stamps, coming in from Sellersville Theater, joined, as always, by John Harden. Yo. Sprayed out of Austin, Texas tonight. And we got the lovely David Timoney, PhD, Yo. down in Philly. And we are, we are remiss to uh, be... Without, of course, the Metal Lord, because, uh, I don't know. Because he's doing his taxes, quote-unquote. I was going to say that he's doing... It's like everything, everywhere, all at once, but with Colin. Hey, guys, it's the Metal Lord, Colin Monster. Sorry I couldn't be with you fellows last night to discuss Metallica's Kill Em All. I really love that album. I discovered it later. I had worked my way backwards in the Metallica catalog, and when I discovered that recording, the absolute fury, angst, fun camaraderie just blew me away i think that seek and destroy is the best song metallica has ever done i think that every track on that record just has so much uh, fury and musicianship behind it i think it's an absolute classic so i was imagining he was doing some other sort of like amazing superhero activity as metal yeah. lord is wont to do in his well that's book. in the multiverse that's the other column the other, yeah. yeah, it's definitely part of the multiverse, but uh, the three of us are here tonight uh, as part of a, a little bit of a listening party. We are going to uh, begin, I think, here, uh, the year 2023, uh, which is, uh, well, I think it's the 40th anniversary of Kill 'em All's, uh, or Metallica's uh, release of Kill 'em All. And of course, they're launching their big tour uh, this year. If you haven't bought tickets already, then sucks to be you. Um, because, <laughs> wow. of, uh, well, uh, or I think there's still has, some I, available for some outrageous amount of money. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. If you didn't, if you didn't get them early, so we're we're here to like kind of like uh, do a listening party. We're going to listen to uh, track by track of uh, the '83 release from Megaforce Records, "Kill 'Em All." Probably going to do a little weekend metal, would you say, David? It's got me, dude. I just work here. Metal. I just work here.
not easy. Not easy. Not easy. There's a there's a melancholy hit from the '90s coming straight to you from our our resident songstress David Timoney. Uh, Dave, you want to start up the weekend metal? I will start up the weekend metal. Hold on, let me bring up my. All right. where's, my where's the doc? I, everything disappeared. Oh man. God! Playing the part oh. of Michael Stamps tonight. Hi everybody! Fucking Christ! It's so consistent. <laughs> Uh, Could you it, like uh, belch a lot and slur your words, David? You know, let me pour. Speak into the mic. Maybe <laughs> I could like scream into the microphone a couple of times. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. No, my weekend metal, and this in. is this is funny. Um, not funny. Not funny. This is not funny at all. Yeah, uh, hilarious. What's your story? <laughs> it's co- It's quite a coincidence that I read about this, and I thought that should be my week in metal. And then you shared it into the post, and I and I was like, it had slipped my mind, and then popped in like within 24 hours or whatever. Um, but Tim Amar has died um, at 59, right? Which, as we all know, young. way, way, way too young. No cause of death, obviously. These days, man, I just feel like between heart attacks and suicide, people are just going right. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Now, granted, people our age are dying, right? Like, we are of the age where everybody we know is on their way out the door. But 59, dude, I'm hoping to live to 80. Um, Tim Amar, I want to say he's best known. He's probably, by a lot of folks, not very well known. But he's probably best known for his collaboration with Chuck Schuldner of Death. They put out a record in 1999 called Fragile Art of Existence. It's super metal. Like, even folks who are not that into death, like, John, I know you were saying not a huge Chuck guy. It's really good metal. Like, it's good songwriting. Um, Tim Amar's vocal style is very different, very, like, metal as opposed to very death, right? Um, Pretty cool stuff, and it's just a shame they didn't release more. Um, It's a little bit, you know, I think as Chuck progressed, he got a little more arty, a little more experimental, so it's not straightforward stuff, but it's good. Um, he was also in a group called Pharaoh. I, I'm, I've never heard them before. It's it's kind of in the obit. Um, but uh, you know what can I say? Another loss. I feel like my week in metal for like three weeks in a row has been somebody dying. But that so yeah, that last sucks. year too. There was a yeah, lot. This is a lot, right? Um, so I don't know that there's been any updates. And then the last article I read was probably the one that we just shared together uh, from today, right? Um, something popped up. So. Um, I'm not going to report back on that. I don't need to. I don't need to. I'm not kind of like morosely interested in how somebody died. But uh, no, it stinks. It stinks. I'm going to actually go back and listen to this record. Uh, I got. I got a lot of my background, so I'm just trying to refresh myself. And you said you you weren't uh, familiar with Pharaoh. I wasn't familiar with Pharaoh. I think I saw a link recently of like a YouTube recording of them. Somebody just like uploaded the some of their stuff, but uh, maybe not. I have to go and look. Well, yeah, and again, like hopefully people will like uh, you know perk up their ears a little bit and, and and check out some of that stuff. And again, again, R.I.P. with with, with Chuck and R.I.P. with uh, insert guy's name, David. Tim Amar. Okay, Tim Amar. Um, also Raquel Welch. So you know, <laughs> between um, between yeah, again, it's it's one of those things. I think it's just it, it becomes more, it gets more on your radar and stuff. You're you're like you. You get to a you certain know. age, it's like, am I going to like go to the front page? It's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to the obituaries and see which of my friends just died. It's like, oh. Look, everybody had the grandmother or knew somebody who's like, yeah, I'm just looking to see if, <laughs> if I'm in the obituaries today. Yeah, no, it's, it's, see, see, see who, see who, I, out, who I survived. It's like, yeah, 
There you go. Eunice, you're dead. I've got you. <laughs> wow. That's, you know, that's... that's Sorry, that's, Tim. That's how that goes. But uh, again, yeah, it's it's not necessarily a morose... Subject. Those were big it's, steps from Tim Amar to Raquel Welch to... Eunice. <laughs> but you know, but 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 Eunice died in like a I don't know I think it was like a water skiing accident and she was just living her life doing her living best her life. best life. Yeah. Where's Co- Colin's not here? Is that right? Uh, also, That's she, correct. Yeah. Also, she was eaten by a shark named Bruce. Oh Callback. Uh, Bruce. Bruce. Nobody's gonna get. Um, Michael, what do you got news wise? Actually, you go first, John, because um, I think well, this, this my story that we in. have for Colin. I, I think there's kind of one in the same. So yeah, they're, start they're, yours, and we we can do a uh, we can do a show pile on on uh, Dave Mustaine as we're wont to do. <laughs> well, oh, well, oh, wait a second. Are, are all our stories? Ba- no, you actually let's let's go with yours first, John, because like ours are be like a more uh, natural uh, lead, lead in Metallica. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The story I had this week was that Stripers Michael Sweet gave an interview, I guess, on Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> praising, okay, anyone who watched the Super Bowl, there's there was this little game this weekend called the Super Bowl, and, and uh, most Birds. of the world watched it, or at least most of North America watched it. And there were several commercials, and you've seen them pop up lately on on uh, morning news and such by, by a group that's promoting Jesus. And uh, they have these ads that say he he gets us, and so they had they had a couple Jesus ads running on the Super Bowl. The cost to run those two ads was twenty million dollars on the Super Bowl, just to end with Jesus gets us. And Michael Sweet, when reached for comment, said he thought it was the best twenty million spent in a long time. And the fact of the matter is, it's just fucking bullshit like if michael sweet's so charitable and he's so concerned about oh we need more jesus in our world and this and that is that 20 million better spent playing two ads during the super bowl or is it spent better at food banks or giving people clothing or medicine that they could use 20 million dollars health studies anything 20 million dollars goes a long way and instead it's paid for by a group, and the group's main, one of their main contributors is the guy who runs Hobby Lobby. And the fact of the matter is, this is a group and a political action group that spends money to minimize transgendered people, to try and take away contraceptive rights right. in different states. All it is is a bunch of political bullshit by a bunch of religious fanatics, and they spent $20 million. And here you have shithead Michael Sweet cheering it on. I just. I thought it was a little hypocritical. He's just probably hope, he's probably hoping that weak. somebody will give him twenty million dollars to put a band together. And Fucking left. good luck! I, you know what I mean? They, he plays it like the circus. Like yeah. <laughs> they, no one's giving him twenty million dollars. Like he, it's literally you go see a monkey, you pay to see the monkey, and then they're like, oh, and Striper's playing too. That's what it's come to. So it's just like I don't know. I, it just rubbed me the wrong way when I when I read it. For someone who professes to be such a follower of Christ and things like that, spending $20 million on two ads just to say the word Jesus on TV seems like a waste of charitable money to me. Yeah, yeah, not wrong. 
it, it was a it was a kind of a remarkable experience too because like i was in a place in a space where people's first uh impressions of the jesus he he gets us ads was sort of like that looks really sort of like uplifting and powerful and sort of like yeah that's kind of like what we need right now and, and again like on the surface based on the the imagery and the whole sort of drama and john you work in, you know in videos and commercials and stuff and that's like you're selling a product and you know the button you want to push is like people's emotions and stuff um but it was fucking straight up propaganda manipulative i'll tell you who was really excited uh, treat williams was excited he was going to get another movie deal out of that uh, really <laughs> was kirk cameron kirk cameron sees sequels yeah no and and and, and again it's it, it's you know the jesus the, 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 of idaho you know the the, the the evangelistic movement <clears throat> you know since the days in the aftermath of jesus's ministry have had like a really tar a really hard time like branding their uh their whole sort of like sales pitch and stuff like the first gospel didn't like actually get out there like 40 years after jesus had already died it's like who's this dude jesus but anyhow it, it michael sweet will tell you my, my, again, my, Michael Sweet is like in the wrong lane on this. Again, his musical relevance, cultural relevance is, you know, something really sort of obscure. Um, but again, I, I, don't, I don't think his his heart's definitely in the right place. And, you know, I, you know, it, 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 we don't most of the most of the imagery and the, the, the content of the video, I think, is just sort of like. You know, I think something that people should like pause and and think about, and then think about who the fuck is funding this too, and like what do they really want from you? Hobby Lobby and all this dark money, and this is not a political show. So, <laughs> we, yeah. and again, also Striper's music is mostly kind Bad. of garbagey. Well, uh, to bring it back to our show, if you'd like to see Michael <laughs> Sweet, you'd like to have a chat with him, the. The Sinners and Saints tour is going on right now, playing a, at a civic center near you. Uh, Vince Neal, Striper, Stephen Adler, Vixen. Wow. If you've and, and you've and, got twenty eight dollars plus fees, we got a show for you. <laughs> yes, parking free if you show up there at five, and there will be monkeys. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a guy. Monkeys. A guy in a pickup truck selling ten dollar apples. You get a free beer. Uh, but 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 it, Let, it, let's it, get to our uh, let's get to our annual story about Dave Mustaine <laughs> complaining about Metallica. <laughs> well, and, and again, it it seems to like uh, be you know timed in a way that uh, all things seem to work in the sort of like you know uh, goldfish memory, uh, you know uh, accelerated you know you know news cycle that we're in like it seems like dave is like looking for some sort of beef with metallica but uh you know he's looking to sort of get something back from james and lars and and maybe kirk i don't know but uh there's a lot of news stories coming out of this uh very lengthy not cocaine fueled, you know, conversation with Dave Mustaine that have to do with like again, like uh, unresolved grievances and stuff. Um, he's he's looking at Metallica launching this 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 new album, this big tour. He 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 feels again kind of like uh, a little bit of the 
red-headed stepchild that he totally, almost literally is. Yeah. Um, and then he's left out, mostly left out on the fucking gravy train part of it too. Is what I'm what I'm digging out of this. He, he takes digs at a just basically everything out of his first two years with Metallica. You know, from when when he joined them in '81, being their guitarist, writing songs, um, and sort of pushing them into a direction that gets them into clubs and whatnot. And everybody should like, you know, read like a, a great, you know, uh, biography of the early days of Metallica to kind of understand a lot more of the grit of this, uh, you know, this this really interesting moment. Um, it just to understand 40 plus years later, like how and why this still matters, because clearly it still matters a lot to one day Mustaine. Um, but yeah, he, he, I, I have to read like, this this quote, Michael, from yeah. the story that you posted. You know, you, the 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 through line of the story you posted was that that Dave says Metallica is afraid to play with him. That's that's what now that's now the soapbox that he's on. And, you know, I guess he saw the the tour get launched with Pantera and Five Finger and some other bands and is is upset that he's not on that tour. And he says the fans want Metallica and Megadeth to share the stage. Does Megadeth need Metallica? No, but Metallica talks about their fans and they don't give them what they're asking for. What are they afraid of? I don't know. It's them. It's not me. Now, I don't give a fuck if Megadeth's there. I would prefer they're not. Like they're 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 two completely different bands. And as far as I'm concerned, one of them I love, and the other one is Megadeth. And I I, I just I have no interest in seeing him. Who's clamoring for this outside of him? And I I truly think the answer is no one. He went on that. What was that last tour he did? I wish Colin was here. He, well, Lamb he, of God. He out. The, the, the tour where he's where he's been opening for Lamb of God, or that's, opening. That's for, what I was just going to say. He's or, opening or he on opening, that tour too. He was opening for uh, Five Finger Death Punch. I, I, yeah, I just I don't Dude, see trust me why when I tell you there is just nothing. Leave it alone with Metallica. Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, and again, like that, that's strategic, and and, and and so you could read a little bit of like the economic tea leaves here. It's like, you know, Dave's not getting a whole lot at the trough when he's like opening. He's he is like one of the big four. He's not actually a band. Like Metallica is I don't a know. band. We, you know, we talked about this on the Megadeth episode. He has sold so many records. Megadeth has been successful beyond his wildest dream is is my yeah. take on it. Like like I mean tens of millions of record sales sold and I think there are, yeah I'm looking right now 38 million records sold. You're not content with that? You you still have to every interview. Now we're talking we're literally talking on this episode 40 years okay, later. Okay, so so think about just and he won't leave it alone. Just think about what you were doing 40 years ago. Is there anything you're still mad about? Like, I'll tell you what I'm mad about. No. 40 years ago, I was in Miss Sinelli's fourth grade class, and we started reading The House of Dies Drear, and we never got to the end. I'll get you a copy. I have well, a copy. What, what, what happened? Why, did, why didn't you get to the end of it? Well, did listen, she I was, die I was, or I was, she died. I was she... a precocious kid, and uh, 
and I shoved her down the steps. All right. I'm right. just kidding. So, I did, oh, no, I, so you mean the rest of the class comment. got to the end. You didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. She was a wonderful person. Uh, no, I used to get pulled out of class uh, all the time, so I, I never got to hear the end of it. So a couple right. of years ago, when my daughter well, turned 10, I bought a copy, and guess what? Never read it. You still didn't get to the end. No, no, I, still I don't know. Maybe for Christmas, I'll have Colin read it for you, like an Dude, audio book, and you'll finally amazing. get to hear the end. I can I can arrange again, that. I again, from these from the from the interviews and from the clips you read, particularly that have to do with like, yeah, definitely like the record we're talking about tonight, Kill 'Em All, it does have like a lot of the input and imprint of One Day Mustaine. Um, a lot of it sort of like altered and revised, you know, to the members that remained in the band, um, and 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 you know, of course, replaced him, but. Uh, he 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 has some points he like he was he was the guy with the ties to the la scene in a different way and he's a little bit older a little bit more sort of like i don't know it's like when you're 16 and you're like you think you're cool because you're like aping the guys who were 18 because they're super cool and they know how to get the ladies and get the liquor and stuff ladies. that was that was debut stain to them so they Really? So he he kind of like uh, used a little bit of that influence to to groom them a little bit, and he, he kind of like shames James in, in in terms of like you know he wasn't like a great frontman. He was a little shy and reticent to sing or to banter with yeah. the audience and stuff. And he kind of like I showed him how to do that. It's like okay, well, forty yeah. years. He later, said can- I wrote many of the songs that made you famous so recheck your bullshit statement now one do you ever really hear metallica talk about dave mustaine or megadeth they don't no because they no. don't care I, and, and and also they they they, they had like a documentary like i want to say like almost like 15 more than yes. 15 years ago that the some kind of monster where it's like let's just sort of like squash the beef that's yes, and, <laughs> 15 years ago. And at their 30th anniversary, Mustaine comes and plays with them. At their 40th anniversary, Mustaine comes and plays with them. They yeah. extend, like there wouldn't be a big four unless Metallica was the one that put it together and included Megadeth. So they have they have continually put out an olive branch yeah. to, yep. to offer some sort of platform to a guy that, like David said, literally they played with 40 years ago it's enough years already but do you think that when do you think that when they're backstage like for that like 40th or 30th do you think he's like eh, so i'm back I, in the band you know <laughs> i could have had i, I could i could have had I could, I could have had like two ferraris i could have had like eight eight more mansions I don't. Again, it, it's just it just did not turn out badly for him. So I would love to see. I would just love to see like a like a, a dramatic replaying of them like talking after the show and everybody's like high fiving and hugging and sweaty and stuff. And he's like, "Am I back in the band?" Like I want to see like Ben Stiller. Am I back in the band? Yeah, I want to see like Ben Stiller and some of those guys do like a, a dramatic reenactment of. Am I back in the band? Yeah. Kirk Hammett has like a Harrier jet parked on top of the chase center. He's like, I got to go. Yeah, we get like Ben Stiller. No, dude, he just rips his shirt off Andy and like Dick in there. cape comes out and he like takes off. 
All right. That's that's the week in metal. <laughs> that that brings us to oh, Metallica's 1983 record Kill 'em All. Tell uh, us about it, John. Well, I you know, I I think Dave Mustaine has a point when it comes to this record that he was very influential in in helping to shape this record, but only this record. You know, I think I think Metallica was able to do just fine without him afterwards. But, you know, his contributions to this album, he co-wrote Four Horsemen, Jump in the Fire, Phantom Lord and Metal Militia, all great songs. On this album, Four Horsemen's probably to me the best song on the album, and you know I that that was his work right there. And so, you know, yeah, he can be pissed that this record sort of flew without him, but I'm sure he's been compensated just fine. It, it was released July 15th of 1983. They recorded it in 17 days. In, in May of 83, just one month after Kirk Hammett joined the band. Uh, they have played the album in, in its entirety since during the Orion Festival in 2013. They played it back to front, uh, originally released on Megaforce Records before Elektra bought it and re-released it. Originally, they only put out 1,500 copies <laughs> of Kill 'Em All. And, uh, you know, those those went pretty quick and, and they rose quickly. To me, uh, Kill 'Em All was was a uh, a catalog record. I didn't, you know, I I had sort of listened a little bit to Ride the Lightning when it was making the rounds on everyone's boomboxes and this and that. Uh, Master was the first record I had bought on my own, and then went back and listened to Kill 'Em All and uh, and spent a lot more time with Ride the Lightning. I feel like you know some of the bands we talk about on this show are sort of uh, diminishing returns from their debut on. And with Metallica, to me, at least in the 80s, I feel like they got better as time went on. That, that Kill 'Em All is a good debut. Their writing got stronger on Ride the Lightning. And by the time they hit Master of Puppets, to me, that's when they were sort of fully formed. And, and, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine was a ghost. He was already in his other band doing other things. Mm. Um, I I like that progression. I love injustice for all as well. I don't love how it's recorded, but I, I really like the songs on it. So I like when Metallica got to be a little bit more complex beyond the, uh, the straightforward thrash of kill them all great record. Um, just not my favorite. Yeah um david what what were you listening to in 1983 when this record came out because yeah. you were not listening to this what year did cargo uh, come out cargo i thought was 84 <laughs> so you uh, were anticipating it well no i mean i had you, you had um you had business business as usual well, no, cargo, you know, April, 1983. You, you had Billy oh yeah, yeah. Then it was car- uh, No, I mean, it, so the, I told you that we've done 1983. I had Def Leppard, Pyromania, and Cargo were the first two cassettes I bought myself. Billy Joel, Piano Man, uh, or not Piano, Billy Joel, uh, Innocent Man, uh, Lover Boy, Keep It Up. I think I got around then. Um, not long after the Police Synchronicity. Uh, but you know, all the I was listening to a lot of pop music, dude. Just whatever was around, whatever Thriller. was on the radio, Thriller, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, I was listening sure. to 
I was yeah, well, like wh- whatever was on MTV, and, and probably I was probably hypnotized by like Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton, who okay. wasn't right? There um, you go. Let's Dance came out that year. I was listening to that. I was not listening to like speaking in tongues. I was definitely not listening to Peace of Mind. Uh, Madonna, right? It's like '83. Was that? I was 11. Well, you didn't have the Rat EP. The Rat EP came out that year, or the, no, the Queen Strike EP. Definitely did. My sister was really into Culture Club. Color by Numbers came out that year. I did have Shout at the Devil, right? I did have Midnight Madness. I did have Lick It Up. A lot of big pop culture records. And Night there. Ranger. Yeah, like a lot of lasting and enduring pop culture records. But as far as metal, you know, Metal Health, Bark at the Moon, Lick It Up, uh, Shout at the Devil. But you know, I was a member of the Metal Fan Club that year. Well, this is this is a year that you might remember. We remember almost kind of like retrospectively. It's like, oh yeah, I had to go back to this. You got Melissa from from Merciful Fate. Remember that? Kiss, lick it up again. Fuck you, Juan Landeros. Still sticking it to you. Peace of mind comes into my hands almost. I think at the same time in '85 or '84 when. Uh, you know, uh, Power Slave comes out. Holy Diver by this guy named Dio. Oh, no, it's Dio, right, David? Come you know, on. we'll get to you that. Get, That's going to be a future head to head. He got some great white coming out, too. Armored Saint releases another EP. Uh, accepts uh, Balls to the Wall. So there's, again, it's it's a really sort of, uh, you, you get a sense by looking at that list there that, like, you know, there's there's definitely a, a burbling going on, and that there's 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 something happening in uh, in the metaldom of uh, of the world that and pop music is going to collide with this too. Violent uh, Femmes' first record MTV. comes out in '83. Great record. What's that? Violent Femmes' first record. So so there's that too. Again, like lots of great music is coming out. So. Could you blame any like twelve-year-old person for not not checking out Kill 'Em All? Uh, I do kind of remember seeing it there under the glass at California Music because it has that really iconic image of like the hammer with the blood pooling all around it, mm. and it's like I don't know. That sounds like murder. That doesn't sound like. <laughs> It doesn't sound like. Do you know that? Do you know how the title came to be, Michael? Um, Tell us this. This this particular one, I I give you like two different stories because there are two different stories. The story, the story that I read was originally they wanted to title it "Metal Up Your Ass." Yes, that of course they used for T-shirts and such later on. But uh, but Johnny Z, you know, persuaded them to change the name of the album because he felt like they couldn't get retail support uh, with an album called Metal Up Your Ass at the time. Mm-hmm. Also, also, if, if people so, don't, if, if people don't remember the, the the accompanying image that went with that sort of slogan of Metal Up Your Ass was uh, a toilet with a knife coming with a out switchblade of the coming out of the uh, the toilet. Yep, you perfect. Know. And yep. when, when, the, when I the saw shirt it, when that we were, launched a, a thousand teenage dreams, when we were at Santa Cruz Beach and Boardwalk, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's what's on the back—the toilet with the knife coming out of it. I'll no, is it? Isn't the back of that shirt? The back of the shirt's the guy getting electrocuted. 
Yeah, the toilets that, that on was, the front. That, you know, that was on the front. That was on. I, there obviously a lot of different versions of it, but like that, that was the one I got at the beach. You got the boardwalk. flea market version. Yeah, you got the flea market one. Yeah. The flea market version. I wasn't. You know, I'm not hardcore. I got it from Santa Cruz Beach and Boardwalk. I'm not like <laughs> anyway. You know, it, there kill the them all. Kill them all came out of that. That when Johnny Z. Uh, said that they would have problems with the record retailers uh, with a name like that. Cliff said, can't we just kill them all? And that that's where the title came from. So uh, okay. speaking about the record retailers that, that would have a problem with the, uh, yeah. with the original and, title. So, yeah. And then, then, then there's also the sort of like Vietnam sort of like patch logo, uh, kill them all, let God sort them out. Let God too. sort them out. Yeah. Uh, so they, it, it, they there's, love there's, there's a lot, 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 of, lot of different versions uh, on on that, and so obviously this this worked for them, and obviously the other thing worked too because it's it's edgy, it's punk, and it's uh, it, it's a little sort of like troubling and disruptive and stuff. And it's like this is not like uh, buying Sheena Easton or you know something kind of like well i think think also part of what makes this a catalog record for most people with metallica even us who were in the bay area at the time so what do you mean like i said said they only printed what's that what do you mean when you say a catalog record i have no idea what you're talking like like if if you get into okay so like for a lot of people our age love it first sting might have been their first scorpions record or or blackout is their first scorpions record but they had seven records before that. So if you're going back, that's a catalog record. Like right. you're getting into a band at a certain point, but you're sort of going back to explore their catalog. Like, I mean, it's much easier now because you can oh, go yeah. on to Spotify or whatever and just yeah. press click. But yeah. like we said back then to get into an older record, that's not the cool record at the time you had to go buy it or go to the library. It was, it, you know, it just wasn't that easy. And with a record like this, it comes out midway through 1983 with 1,500 copies. Yeah. They're not. They're not on MTV. They're not on the radio. Like so, I you know I think they needed to get to Electra and Electra be able to get them nationwide distribution and get them into the magazines and onto the tours to where people could start to see them and know who Metallica was, and then Kill 'Em All became a record that people knew. But I think it probably it took a little while. Yeah, and and, and I wouldn't have been in, at my age at this point, like eleven years old, uh, twelve years old, I guess. And what do you say, July of eighty three? I would have been twelve. I, I'm not like I'm listening to like Y and T Main Street is like and loving the fuck out of that. Bark in the Moon comes out that year. It's like okay, that's what I'm listening to. Yeah, that's 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 more my sort of like jam and whatever's like coming out on MTV that is cool. And those and are established acts. Yeah, and and again, when Metallica pops into my hands when uh, when I meet John Harden, you know, in in eighty five in eighty four, um, then it's like okay, now we're ready for a different brand of hot sauce, and it's like I like it. I like sauce. it. And it's it, it's only it, it it what seems like a really long inexorable amount of time. It's like when are they gonna put out something new? And so I'm listening to like Ride the Lightning, and I'm like, wait, they have something else? Let's check out Kill 'Em All. And then I listened to that. And my first impression of it was like, this doesn't sound like Kill 'Em All. This sounds like <laughs> really shitty production this the, it does the, the, this album does suffer from, it, it from does, some 
it does not it does not because if you go from like that gear which is ride the lightning with eric rasmussen as like the producer um to uh kill them all you know from like rochester new york uh the burial ground of like (laughs) people like susan b anthony and uh it'll come to me um anyhow Tim it's just sort of like, and, and 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 the guys the guys as 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 come out it's like they knew nothing about like what heavy metal was or what heavy metal should sound like they were just sort of like studio guys are going like we got the levels right you guys are a band that's great yeah. Fred, frederick Douglass is also buried there in rochester yeah, perfect it came to me but uh uh you know wait he's it, buried someone told trump Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's he's still doing good work, but from the grave, it's kind of like Freddy Krueger. Let's listen to "Kill 'Em All," shall we? Let's do that. Will right. it sound like Let's... Mean Streak? Count us up. It, it, it will not. I, you know, I like I said earlier, this is a good record. This isn't. And, and, and again, I, I think it's like it's one of those records, just like Ride the Lightning had to do the task of like you had to it had to grow on you. Um, and, and you, now you listen to songs like fucking the four horsemen or Phantom Lawrence, like, of course, and, and it seems like really kind of tame now, kind of like watching, sorry, Bart Simpson, but like watching like the first Friday the 13th, it's like not really that scary, is it? Yeah, a little bit, right? It was so different for the time, but uh, Michael, why don't you count us in? Let's, let's uh, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna count up to, to uh, the four horsemen. Down. No, nope. hit the lights. Hit the lights, dude. No, I no, I was just gonna do I was gonna count four. One, two, three. No, don't, don't. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't want to cute confuse everyone with counting. One two uh, three. You know, I actually like the production of this record. Really? For as much as I hate bad production, the like the the weird like doubling effect on the vocals and the rawness of it it's a very yeah. punk rock style recording and i i actually it, like it's it. it is that for sure i, I the drums sound a like little, a, a the drums thin. sound like a live sound you know what i mean like you can't yeah. you can't really put this drum sound on record but they did anyway okay all right so what we got here first we got uh hit the, lights. the lights dude you've got every trope every metal trope right like you got the the fade in you got the the ride symbol tinging along and the sliding the pick down the strings man like yeah, just, got the rolls across the toms yeah, yeah this, this, sweet and and again like again read read the early biographies these are guys who are just like basically have only learned their instruments within like two years or so you know, and, yeah, well, and, and, I mean, you've also you've got Kirk who comes in to record a record. He joined the band the month before, and uh, he only had that time to come in and rework solos. And, you know, some of the solos they, they sort of kept from the Mustaine area, uh, era, and he reworked them. But uh, he does a lot of work on this record for just joining. For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he's, and he's probably the most accomplished. He's probably the most pedigreed guy in the band, right? I think there's a very romanticized not uh, at this point. Story. Was what didn't he grow I mean, up? I mean, he, like he was Satriani? an exodus, but he was still he was a child. Well, that's true. Yes, I mean he was a prodigy. Yeah, like he grew up with doing some doing a lot. But I mean, like there's a romanticized story about how like. 
Cliff Burton had this like musical background that's like, oh, we always knew. Like, yeah, but he was just an okay bass player. We, 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 we could talk. We could talk about the the Cliff line here probably when we get to anesthesia. But uh, yeah, well, nothing to listen to. You know, there's again. It's. It, it, I think David's point now. I think is is probably like grown on us now. It's sort of like. Especially me in my fucking rock gut raccoon days that uh, I like the gruffness. I like the, the, the rawness, the sort of like open space kind of feel of the production where it feels like this was like in a garage. And, you, you, you know, of course, uh, there's a band called Metallica that would do this sort of like series called The Garage Days and then The Garage Days Revisited. It it, ha- it captures that feeling. It does. It's not overproduced. I feel so. like the the everything that I like about Saint Anger is in this record, right? It's I, I love Saint Anger. This I think the songs on that record are good, but more than anything, it just sounds like they went in and recorded the record. I think yeah. everything between this and Saint Anger, if you came into Metallica at Master of Puppets or and justice for all and didn't necessarily look back saint anger was like a freaking whiplash yeah and there's a song called whiplash coming yeah there is but i mean like for that i think there's there's a lot of back knowledge you need to listen to saint anger and appreciate well well, and and again the, the the point is valid doubly too david because like that was their their whole sort of strategy was like how do we get back to that sort of like raw sort of unpolished un you know sort of like you know photoshop you know overproduced auto-tuned sound and and again that then then the not the the whiplash but the backlash came there it's like where are the fucking solos why are you guys trying to sound like a band now rather than be metallica and it's like it's, it's hard when you're like trying to form yourself as a band and define yourself and become like get a sound and get like a an identity and then you have to go back and say like oh now we're being like true metal whatever that is because past 93 83 it's gone and four horsemen here you got the four horsemen so good that squeal on the offbeat is is uh it's messy right there's like there's great shit on there it's i don't know it's this is uh, this is some like uh, good galloping stuff that's going on. It really is. I I love this song. This I, is the I still first. Love, love when they the play first it live. Metallica song that I spent a lot of time on because the guy that joined our band wanted to do this song. He's like, we got two guitars okay. now. Let's do Four Horsemen. And I went and sat home. Like I dubbed the record and I put it on. And I'm like, oh crap, there's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, here's how you can tell that Dave Mustaine contributed to this song and not hit the hit the lights. Hit the lights four minutes long. <laughs> it quick. It, it comes in, you know. It's solid. You get your solo. You get out. Right. This one, Mustaine's here. Seven minutes long. I've got another section that we because need of to course. Yeah. Because of course. You know what I mean. If he would have stayed with the band, then Master of Puppets would have been 35 minutes long because it would have had 18 solos. Like. Right. Act- Actually, I, w- I want I want to add like some additional information there. Uh-oh. That was like a, a Lars fetish as well. Lars like multiple the, solos. I, 
you know, he, he loved the idea of like, and you can see it here on the back of uh, Kill 'Em All. On the, you know, this this is this is the record that I bought in Rochester. But usually, you're not going to see this on most records. It's like you have like the titles of the songs, also the timing of the songs too. And Lars had like a fetish for like the idea of like what made a song really especially epic, cool. Mm-hmm. And Slagle will back this up too. It's like that it was like really long. You know, like if you could if you could put out a song that was like seven minutes long, you were really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about dick size, but I I know that what oh. is that's that's something that's not necessarily David stayed. It's just saying like somebody likes a really really long song. That's call out yeah. to like King Black Acid. Wow. Um yeah, no, I mean it's it's, it's definitely, you can hear Mustaine all over this, like obviously, right? Yeah. But this would also be uh, kind of shouting back to that Saint Anger discussion. I would have that same cast uh, with uh, with uh, Ben Stiller sitting around in a room, going, "Well, what can we do?" And Ben Stiller, as as James Hetfield would say, "Well, well, the Red Hot Chili Peppers rented a mansion and recorded the record there." <laughs> There you go. And then it would well, you to- can listen to Dave Mustaine's alternate reality <laughs> version of this in the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think again, it's very like, good. That so that, it is that good. that's that's a really it's it, it again it's like basically the same song, eh? Yes. Um, yeah, except yep. it's about Different like lyrics. A, an, an auto lyrics body shop for four horsemen. Yeah, and 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 again, it's it, it, it's interesting to see like the the difference between like what Metallica could have been with Mustaine and also why they ended up becoming like the Metallica that we know as opposed to a band that didn't sort of like break into like five different parts and not become Metallica. Yeah. Because like go back and like you know listen to mechanics and listen to the lyrics. It's sort of like I don't know. What, what What's this? What What is that song about? Mm. Another thing that that differentiates Metallica, like on a record like this, you know, from their peers at the time, even on their own label, you know, with someone like Raven, a lot of those bands that were their competitors, Exodus, were trying to set speed records. Every song was was a thrash song from start to finish, and yeah. a lot of Metallica songs like this, like the previous song, have a slow breakdown yep. and then like, go like into right a now, solo. right at this moment. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's I yeah. think that's an important uh, observation because I I think it speaks to like an understanding of what the crowd needs. You can't you, you just can't. There's nothing worse than Time being on up. stage on like your fifth banger and the crowd and, is just like I'm going to go get some water and, and people and, just and, standing and, there out of breath staring at you while you're like throwing down. And you're and just like, come on, you mother! And they're just like, uh, I'm tired, man. Yeah. Again, like le- 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 the the bands on the LA scene would not necessarily like have learned the sorts of things that like Lars and the, as he taught the rest of the band that was going on in England with with what was the, you know the the new wave of British heavy metal. It's like you have to like bring the tempo down. You had to get bring in some lulls. You have to like work out some sort of like artist, you know, some sort of musicianship here, and then you bring it back. And that's that's right. I mean, look at that. 
That's the mosh pit fucking recipe right there. Yeah, dude. You look at that Kiss farewell tour, man. It's like they got to give you some time to go to the bathroom. So they put in Psycho Circus, say yeah. You could have a seven-minute <laughs> song where, like, dudes could still, like, all right, solo's coming, gonna piss, come back, That's hit right. the pit. But uh, you, you, I was listening to this record, uh, I think I listened to it, like, three times through last night. Uh, just put it on repeat. But it's like, you you hear so much, like, Diamond Head. You hear so much Tigers of Tang Tang. You hear so much Iron Maiden in it. It's like... Well, it's it, or, and of course, you know, Diamond Head, but whose songs they basically like stole to like become yeah, like absolutely. a band. Yeah. Um, and you you go back and listen to those records, and you can you can hear the little signatures, and you can hear all these these movements. It's uh, it's it's kind of genius. See, but you, you need the right people in the right place. And it, this this solo is the best. You like this one? It just kind of creeps up and like scratches you all over the place. I don't. Know. And again, if it's if Mustaine, then like, dude, give him credit. All right. But Four Horsemen versus Mechanics, they sound the same musically, but this is about the Four Horsemen, not about like guys who have like a auto repair shop where they fuck chicks yeah i um <laughs> just just say there's like this total which which is the more metal yeah i, I mean it's, which it's tough you because get it's tough because mechanics it, you can tell he's trying to be faster mm-hmm. well and, and he, I, he doesn't yeah, do it that great. was his mo for the next 40 years <laughs> right like, but i mean he didn't yeah. do it great you know it's just right. it was faster it was a little sloppy yeah on the motor, motor breath. breath i don't like this song it's all right. I don't like the name. You don't like Motor Breath? I don't like the name Motor Breath. Isn't there a... a I don't know. Like it seems like an homage to like a Motorhead. Or... Motorhead. Yeah. And also, and a, lot, a lot of the songs, as we will note from... Uh, they're, they're really sort of limited... Uh, how should we say? Sort of metal palette or just sort of like... We are a metal band. We sing songs about metal. They're like meta <laughs> yeah. metal songs. It's well, how many every lifestyle. band at that time was guilty of that? Yeah. Well, yeah. how many songs on this record are in any kind of rotation for Metallica? Um, Ooh, rotation a, a lot, where? actually. They, they still the play Hit the Lights. Sure. They right. still play Four Horsemen. They play Jump in the Fire, Whiplash, No Remorse. And they've ended with Seek and Destroy with their concerts for bad, like the past yeah. 30 years. I mean, I think that's it, that's probably for these kind of legacy bands like Metallica. I would well, say yeah. it is now probably the best impression of a record how many of those songs they're doing live. I don't know. I think you just you, you go to Setlist FM and you check out the dat, and then you just go, oh shit, Seek and Destroy is kind of like right. I'm not I'm, I'm not even looking at it right now, but like Seek and Destroy, I'm gonna say is like right up there with like most oh, yeah, of their top hits. Yeah. I like yeah. Kiss's version better. The the thing with Metallica um, that that keeps their songs in rotation too, David, is they don't, they're not like Kiss. They don't play the same set list every show for four years. Like, like they pretty much change the set list almost every night. Look, man, I some mean, people just they're, can't they're keep certain, that pace up, man. Well they're, well, they're also like a, they're like a band too. Like you go see a band, like, what do you feel like playing? It's like, 
Injustice for All. Play that. All right, we're going to do that. Yeah. Dude. Leopard Messiah. There are certain songs get- that they play, especially on these bigger tours, because they have audio-visual cues that go along with, you know. Sure, yeah. It's all, it's all staged that- and produced. But there's all their set lists change all the time, and and they go back as far as the first record, you know, to, to mix songs in. And, 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 They're and really going to do it on this tour, I would guess. Yeah, no, and that, and that's to be appreciated. I don't know that's been totally different. I don't, I, I, I don't, you know. Again, they they've been known to like improv some sort of stuff too, but I don't think they're gonna like throw in like you know just like a lot of like random unexpected songs. But like they they in their you know forty year arc here have have always sort of like acknowledged. Um, sorry, Dave Mustaine. Like their fans, their fans know who Metallica is. And they know who Dave Mustaine is, and they're familiar with Metallica or Megadeth, of course. But like, you know, they're, they're not going to just like do like an Iron Maiden, you know, sort of like here's the Book of Souls tour, and we're going to play nothing but the new record. And the new right. record is, you know, Dick, you know, or <laughs> let's do the let's do the Lulu record because like that's the new thing. Yeah, you know, because like we want to like convert all the people to like Lou Reed. So this is a little song called "Jump in the Fire." Yep, second single released from the record, January 1984. Yeah, I remember a buddy of mine had had this shirt. It's a fucking toe tapper of a song. Like the devil, like edging yon. Yeah, come on, let's jump in the fire. That's what the whole song is about. Let's all just sort of like. What you guys doing? Let's join the party in hell. So come on, jump I mean, on the it fire. Could be any, it could be any party. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about uh, you know the, the sort of like later day sort of like understanding or reception of the song was like Lars was like, "Fuck this shit. We we are not going to do any of this uh, satanic hell dancing trope bullshit again. That is not going to be a thing." You know, it's uh, when they when they did manage to like put together that uh, uh, instrumental on the next record called the Call of Cthulhu, for which Dave Mustaine is also credited. It was originally called When Hell Freezes Over, and Lars was like, "Nope, we we this is not what we do. We don't do chicks. We don't do Satan. That's just all that is." To, to him in his mind and his idea of branding the band just seemed like really claptrap cliche sort of bullshit carny bullshit <laughs> so he's like we're gonna call call it Cthulhu and we're gonna make it mystical and interesting and make people like have to like go on Google which doesn't exist yet to figure that out or go to a library and again it's also an instrumental so there's no lyrics but you, you see his you see his sort of uh, mindset early on and so he was like always irked by this song because it's basically let's go to hell let's jump in the fire everybody's doing it if all your friends were going to hell would you go too obviously I don't know I mean you mean would I want to or would I have done all the same things they've done to earn it also, I don't know. Like, does it yeah, exist? Yes, to both. Get in the car. <laughs> All right. Will Bon Scott be there? Will 
All my friends are gonna be there too on the highway to hell. Let's go. Song's kind of a throwaway. It, uh, yeah, I'm looking it's at this boring. man. Boring. All right, we got hit the lights, four horsemen, and it's been I, I, all throwaways. Add one more thing too. It's like, well, it, I mean, we got we're only the, on track four. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then we get the main five hundred. You listen to it now. Does I like that seem, bass solo. Does it seem like terribly yeah. menacing and scary as a song? Does it seem like if you heard this now, no. like what, what do you imagine people doing to this song? No, it sounds like a detergent jingle. It, it's 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 a little kind of like uh, running free, the Iron Maiden song. It's like uh, yeah, this is a this it's not a bad a, solo. It's just it's a, it's too repetitive. It's a little dance song. It 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 it, yeah. it, 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 it has the, it has a very sort of tight formula to it. Again, it's there. There's calculation in it and uh, some fun. It's jump in the fire is if it's if, if it's a mosh song with like a bunch of like denim clad white dudes. This is a song where you can like have fun. Yeah, it's just, a it's just party second, song. It just sounds It sounds like a like a riff they tried to stick in another song and said, "I'll oh, take that out and make it another song." Yeah, but the solo is. Pretty fucking tight here, yeah. though, too. Eh. All right. It's Again, almost a song it's that needs a fade out. Oh, man. Oh, Let's and it see. does. Dude, when, when everybody, when all these dudes I knew were going bananas about Cliff Burton, and they were like, dude, just listen to this DJ. And I listened to it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do a David oh, side just to reciprocate. Go on, David. <laughs> <laughs> like go it's, on David it's not good hey guys I wrote this so th this so this is the legendary bass solo instrumental anesthesia uh, necessary pulling. but not necessarily uh, parentheses pulling teeth featuring Cliff Burton I'm gonna say it's not as good as that Gene Simmons solo on the Crazy Nights. Yeah, it's not as bad as Bobby Doll doing the Pink Panther theme either. But this is what you got. Yeah, remember when bass solos were a thing when we were growing up and like that show? Everybody got a solo. Michael Anthony comes out with his bottle full of iced tea, and here we go. Like, there's that old joke, right, where the guys like running through the woods. Break in the band, bass solo, take one. I don't dislike this. I think it's fine. It's not good. There's so the joke is that there's a guy running through the woods and there's drums banging. And he comes across like an Inuit guy, and he says, "What's the drums?" And the guy says, "When the drums stop, it's really bad." And he's running, and the drums are getting louder and faster and louder and faster. And he comes across another woman, and he says, "What? The drums keep getting louder. What is it?" And the lady says, "When the drums stop, it's very bad." And then he's running, 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 and the drums are getting louder, and they're getting faster, and he's getting scared, and it's getting dark, and he comes to a clearing, and there's a man there, and the drums stop, and he goes, "Oh no!" And the old man says, "Next bass solo." <laughs> Ding. Truly tasteless jokes for that, that was that was really it's not a good joke long, long unnecessary the but <laughs> well, we'll just edit uh, that. John no, would would, would you would you add any 
Would would you add some like coloring to like this uh, often regarded as Jimi Hendrix doing like uh, sort of the Star Spangled Banner setting his guitar on fire? Hey, you know, I, I think this song served two things. One, one they said that it was just uh, that uh, Cliff really admired Geezer Butler and that uh, he did it rather than to just call it bass solo. He gave it a name for, you know, of, of anesthesia. Just gave it something clever. This was this was something that he was just doing in a room uh, by himself, just sort of warming up and and playing this. And I guess it just sort of evolved into this jam. Well, you know, it, it wasn't really intended to be a song, but they heard it and they liked it and they put it on. I, you know, consider yeah. it added value on the record. Like, you know, it's. It filled up some time. They they could have gone the Slayer route, but instead they gave you a fifty-one minute record. And this is just part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 again, we we have to remember that uh, you know it was it was Lars and James who basically sort of uh, you know uh, sort of headhunted Cliff from a from another band in That's LA. That's a good point. You know, Cliff was very well respected in in those circles in the, in yeah. you know in those thrash circles. So why not give that guy a highlight on the record when he is a highlight? And, and for sure, and, and 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 not not you know, withstanding that too, it's like then Cliff Burton's like, well, you know, I'd like want to be a band with you guys, James and and Lars. But like, I want to be closer to my mom and dad in the Bay Area. So like, can we move back there and go to you know, just like do the San Francisco scene and then be a band there instead of L.A.? Because like, we don't want to be like Rat or Malice or Black and Blue, but also I could be closer to my mom and dad. And they're like, uh, okay, we'll do that. So they, they there was there was something about. Uh, you, you know, get royalty yeah. checks for naming those bands in the same conversation as Metallica. <laughs> um, I, I wish I did. That that'd be kind of cool. Is that, is that a thing? I'm sure they got a couple. I of don't books. know. Oh, is we're it, on to Whiplash for, for all yeah, our dude. listeners on 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 uh, Gawker. This is this is their give, response let, let it, to gives, gives out a, like a lot of likes and stuff. You know, um, that that'd be nice. Also. We mean malice the band, not just like malice. It's general, generalized malice. I yeah, do have is... a note on this one. Lars said on Whiplash, we tried to play as fast as we could and have it make as much sense as possible. One of the bands we were listening to that was an influence at the time was Venom. Uh, their first record was a big inspiration for us, and they took the energy and the speed of what Motorhead were doing and made it a little more metal. That's what we were going for. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that's a that's a great sort of and again like Lars. I was great I was Venom. Sort of, I'd get that printed on a shirt and sell it at my shows. He's he, he's a great sort of historian and and like custodian of his own music because he knows like consciously like this is what we're going for, and if people forget like I don't know what is Motorhead or what is Venom, it's like oh uh, okay, and this song's is what a cracker doing. live. This is what they're doing as young kids, and what are the kids doing in the in the, in the pit? They're doing yeah, some whip. This is a great live song. Yeah, this this is a banger of a fucking. This is song. Metall- Metallica's answer to "Murder in the Front Row." Uh, not even an answer, actually, David. It is just in terms of chronology. 
<laughs> it's their <laughs> answer. Um, it's before. I, I, I think you, you, you it's still you, their answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Jeopardy. You know. They That's gave right. the answer. They gave the answer. And your man, your man, like <laughs> your man is again, like, like many murder, bands rhymes with stage. That rhymes with stage. 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 Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So like many bands are like try to imitate. This. What's the What's the crowd fucking like? You know, the one that gets them all crazy and shit. It's like we need a whiplash song. Murder in the front. But even row. Like, this has that breakdown, like I was talking about. You know, they were trying to go as fast as they could, but then it, it gives it a little breather. Yeah, because, like as you were saying, John, like I, I think, like uh, at the expense of Slayer, there, but it's like <laughs> this song could just like go in and cut out at like two and a half minutes. It's like that's it. We just want you to like do like a really quick cardio session, almost fucking like die, and that's it. But like, nope. Let's break it down and, and, and make it more a more conventional song. And then there, I don't think there's going to be like a slow sort of like a slow dance part here at any point. But you never know. Good solo. Yeah. It's a little longer than it needs to be. And it's at 408, that's saying, it's not saying, you know, it's, it's not that long. <laughs> It's not but, that long. Uh, not that long. But like, I don't. They, they, I, I don't. Chorus, I don't feel like this is so repetitive. Like Jump in the Fire is. Right. I agree. It goes different places. It's the riffage, though. The riffage is like. It's like when you're like chainsawing through a log. It's like, this is a really big log. Do I yeah. want to let up? Do I want I, to take a break? Or I just do I want think to saw it all the way through. There's too there's too much stuff in between the really good stuff. Like the chorus to that song is great, and I kind of feel wanna, like the you lead don't up put to that the saw is, down either. Yeah. You want it to go all the way through. What are we really no talking? No fade about? outs. This song is a stupid title too. Yeah, it's a Dave Mustaine song. <laughs> he's, he's trying to be clever. Phantom uh, Lord. I don't know. They could have called it Metal Lord. I'm going to call it Phantom Lord. Put the one call back to Colin's absence right there. Also, make sure, the Phantom Metal Lord. Make sure we put one guitar on the right, one guitar on the left. Like a Phantom. Lars, Lars on this song said, if you take Iron Maiden's first record, take British Steel, take Saxon's Wheels of Steel, and Tigers of Pantang, those are the blueprints that fed into what we were trying to do. Uh, that's why this song sucks. <laughs> and, and again, for, for because people of Tigers who, of Pantang, for all <laughs> of people, it, all of it, dude. Like, I think we need a little more Saxon going on in here. No, the, the thing is, like, Saxon. Colin musical, is turning over in his non-existent grave. Saxon's musical influence is, is is not even discernible here. You, but you go back and listen to those early Tigers records, and it's like, James, what, are they ripping off Metallica? And then you have to do the the whole sort of thing we did before with the answer. And the egg. It's like, <laughs> holy shit! And and again, the, where did Lars get the name Metallica from? He stole it from a friend's fanzine. <laughs> you know, the the the, the dude was. Uh, Ambitious, yeah, appropriate, and he's just kind of like, 
you know, you, you, we saw that all the way through like the what, what was what was the, the sort of beef that he had with the, I can't even remember now. It's been so long ago, almost twenty years. Kid and play. No, no, with the the, the web sh- with the the, so- the song sharing app. Oh, with Napster. Napster, right? Like you say yeah. Napster now, it's like shit. Like my students don't even know what the fuck that is. It's like, don't you just get music from push button on phone? So glad your students don't listen. Yeah, I mean Di- Diamond Head has has as much uh, claim to how Metallica was made and how they got famous as Dave Mustaine does. Quite honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, and, and and again, great inspiration, great sort of continuity, like bridging a lot of the you know the Anglo-American sort of connections between like what was going on metal-wise, and then this break. This is the break I find particularly delicious. Yeah, delicious. It's great. This is the part where I talk over the music. Yes, and remind <laughs> you like no. You know, go ahead and record and that until we'll... that until that fateful morning where he got the tap on the head when he was in the sleeping bag <laughs> and did a bus ticket but like this you know like you listen to like a lot of like the early the first two couple Iron Maiden songs and it's like that's exactly what they do and it's like what song is that it's like most of them and then they rev it back up will there be like a terrific drum sort of fill and when they get back into the rip yes and it's like oh my gosh that's great they did invent that but then again nobody invented any of this it's all collaborative yeah another minute left in this one yeah so you can like bang your head with uh, with Flip Burton rest in peace <sighs> yeah yeah, this one's too long. It's a little long, right? Yeah. Like, I get I get it. We're done. It's, I would have hit forward fast forward on this one already. Phantom Lord. Okay. Oops, I'm not 30 Funny, seconds. James doesn't sound like James on this record. That, that's, yeah, that's definitely the other thing. Like, yeah. He... It's weird to like watch him in like the the early performances that are caught on video and stuff. He does like have like Malt. a different. He has like a different stage persona, and his delivery is is very different too. It's it's very much like what it is. Like it's raw. <laughs> it, right? He he hasn't had any coaching. He hasn't had any vocal training, and he's just like watching other screamers and. He's doing it. That was, again, we, we talked about, we, we talked with John. We did not actually talk uh, to John Bush about this, you know, but the reason why they wanted to, like, get Deuce, Dave Mustaine off the mic and also get John Bush on the mic and also get Joey Vera playing bass, too, if they could. Yeah. But, uh, no remorse. No regret. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's a good another good live song. Solo. Yeah. 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 
Especially when you get to the to, chorus. You're not listening to Sheena Easton at this point. Oh, man. I mean, come on. Listen to that, Dave. That clean break. That's a that's a bravura performance right there. It's like, and now it's starting to get on its legs, and now people are going to start to do something that they call thrashing. <laughs> they don't know it yet. Is this what we call thrashing? And they just jump up and down. It's uh, maybe. I don't think maybe so. they start a to do a little break. pop, and maybe a little bit of lock. Maybe they spread out the linoleum or the cardboard, do what? some backspins. No. Yeah, I'm into this one. Yeah. This, this, yeah, this, this is, this is mosh pit sort of madness right now. And you got, you got your, your, your typical tropes about war and how it's like awesomely gross and hor- horrific. Cool. Mm-hmm. Without the touch of Dave Mustaine, it's pretty long. <laughs> Six six twenty seven, and Dave's nowhere near this one. Yeah, this yeah. is one of three songs that wasn't on the No Life Till Leather demo that they did, that that became Kill 'Em All. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. this was a new one. The other two were uh, Whiplash and Anesthesia. And the, the song that was on uh, the Brian Slagle Metal Massacre was was Hit the Lights, I want yes. to say. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that was just like a junk song that they just like put together. It's like, here we go. Hit the Lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can hear this is really the part where the crowd begins to bang. And then there's uh, do you think that's blood, the part blood upon the stage right here. Yeah. The bl- yeah, the blood upon and the you, stage. And you, you bang your head on the stage. Come on. These gallop breaks are so good. There you go. You got the Steve Harris bass roll that comes in <laughs> underneath. Yeah. So you, 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 you're on the headphones, so you can hear all that. Like, in my, like, I, my first experience of, like, listening to it was, like, with like the little cheesy orange foam like Walkman flea market <laughs> headphones like you put them like, on and they like roll like they roll off your ears into the Walkman <laughs> also from flea market and uh, you know you, you, you pop in a couple of maybe four like double A batteries and like here we go that's like Dude, when I was in college, I had this sweet Iowa Walkman. It had like a little bass boost button on it, and it yeah, that, fun- that funk a Funko Mart. You could get the Kobe headphones. They looked just like Sony's, but they were like fifteen bucks. But they were called Kobe's. Kobe, same same like yep. font. I, I I think I got those from Extra, Flea Market. Extra bass with two X's. Yes. Because if it had, or just just add ladders, it, it doesn't seem like a typo at that point. But th- this song is like a good jammer, though. It it, it works. It, it again, it's yeah. yeah. The thing I is, it, I think the only reason it's this long is because they had extra lyrics. You could have cut this in half. 
Well, again, like we, we I, I have think to it's the different instrumental breaks that stretch this one out because it goes in a few different ways throughout the song. Yeah, I mean, I like the changes. It's just like when yeah. that next third verse comes in, I'm like, uh, you know, let's cut this and just go straight yeah. to the change. Yeah, they're, they're they're not exactly movements. They're 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 basically just sort of repetitions of like what's already done before. Uh, and again, they, they they didn't have like Bob Rock sort of like there to like give them a sense of like what what a song could be. But here you go, fuck all yeah. whatever I was saying, like. Because here's the rave out part where it's like, let's just do this fast and furious. I zoned out for a second and I, for, I thought you were going to say Bob Ross. But... No, Bob Bob Ross and Bob Rock are actually two different people. We're just yeah. going to add, add like, a we're just going to add a happy little solo right here. <laughs> a nice happy little rave out. And, Need a happy little happy little like, mosh part. Good, good shout lyrics. Good sort of like this, and, and this, this little part here too is like this is what you get out of like really great Metallica songs that I remember from uh, from Master of Puppets. It's like, oh shit, James is angry, and like I should pay attention. Like you go to like Dyer's Ed, Dyer's Eve on um, uh, the, the the and Justice for All record. Yeah. Or what they do in Damage Incorporated at the end of uh, uh, Master of Puppets, it's like, okay, right, this go. is not like stuff that's basically just music about like being metal and stuff. There's something darker going on here. I don't know what it is, and you, you're not likely to find out either. This is their answer to uh, Slayer, South of Heaven. Yes, in a sort of multiverse <laughs> to continue the theme. Okay, here's a little song that you could tap your toes to. Right. This is where like the big dude in the pit starts just moving his arm in a circle, so everybody knows what to do. They know to like get the fuck away from like the start. Uncle. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. See, Mustaine's but- full of shit talking about how he helped write the best song <laughs> on this record. Like, it, it's like, you know, Four Horsemen is great. This is better. Yeah. But again, this this one is like kind of their rock and roll all night, I guess, in a way. Not the best Kiss song, but it's the song that's recognizable and, and cuts all the way through. Obviously, yeah. that's not chronologically true because... You know, rock and roll all night. Yeah, Kiss reference. People drink. They, I mean, this is this song on this record is where they really hit stride. You know what I mean? Like you can hear how comfortable James is singing this. You can hear how tight everything is. Um, The bass, drums, rhythm, guitar, really locked in. And it's no doubt. You know, it's like they like this song. You know what I mean? So, but what does this song feel? So, like, well, let's go back to like '83 and sort of like say, like, what, what does this song sound like? What does it feel like in terms of like what else is out there? Does it seem like it's really that aggressive or that, you know, like this? This was John. Was this the single? I thought you said like no. No, uh, the singles the, were Jump in the Flash and Jump in the Fire. 
Yeah, I mean, you just yeah. this, this is what I'm thinking, dude. And again, like it's too a, long, a, too, for a single, really. You know, yeah. to, to release any song off this record as a quote unquote single and to like put it up against like Billy Idol or you know any of the other sort of like Cindy Loppers or no, not even. I'm, 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 now I'm doing David. I'm like mix mismatching my timeline here, but. Uh, it's like this is not going to get on the radio. This is not yeah, a radio but here's, single. This is, this is what I'm thinking. I, it's sing, single metal singles at the time weren't really meant to. Right. Yeah. They're 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 just sort of like this song is. We're we're what like 30, 40 minutes in, right? Yep. You gathered your buddies in the woods on old couches with some Keystone Light and glass lined cans. And you are you are forty minutes into a good buzz, sitting around a campfire in the woods, and this is the song that comes on, and you are like, you know what, man, freaking seek and destroy. Let's mosh. And you start throwing some more extra stuff on the fire and down in your beers, and you're like, the Our next day, the next day you roll around and you're like, you know what, dude, that's the best freaking song of the night, man. Seek and destroy. And where next did you I know get you're all getting these bruises? Jailhouse tattoos and. Going to work late. Why do I have tears like tattooed on my face? Did I let him do that? You let some girl like scratch, seek, and destroy into your back when you were running around shirtless. But this, this is like a really kind of expertly like crafted song. It's it's like it's like a metal band doing a little bit of a pop song. It's a little dancey. It's a little it's a little flirty with like commercial stuff. It's it, it it just has like it has like so many disparate parts to it. It's like you you couldn't imagine Kurt Hammett doing like Warren Demartini stuff. You you couldn't imagine Lars doing just sort of like you know Bobby Blotzer sort of like drumming. But they kind of could if they wanted to. If they if Bo Hill saw them at you know one of those rundown places there in L.A. Could they? Would they? Well, I don't know. I mean, this is on this record. Which songs have the the riff that you know that song first two three notes? Well, we have four, four horsemen. No, but no, no. Four horsemen seek and destroy. First five seconds of that song, yeah. you know it's it's like it's like listening to like the first riffs of like ride the lightning. Right, you know, like like Ace like of spades, like you know, something off of Back in Black, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I can name I that, that tune in Da-da-da. split second. Right? It's like, well, what song is that? It's like, that's Led Zeppelin, dude. It's like, dude, you're a fucking asshole. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> you are confused. You are at the wrong house. And that's definitely Cashmere. But again, it's it, it's a great metal anthem of sorts it, because it has like as David was suggesting like, it's a good ramp up feel energy building and it's it, it, it's designed to be played live the lyrics are music, dude this is not music for headphones and easy to sing along to right like this is like the old rules of writing a song a memorable melody that's easy to sing that's how you get people to like your music and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's a crowd pleaser it, 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 again, it's it's a little it's a little mystifying that a song like this, which we've come to recognize, gets buried on a record 
But again, like the producers of this record, and, and again, like, you know, I don't know what Johnny Z was, you know, he must have had like some sort of idea or some sort of hand in this. I'm looking uh, as I can at the, the liner notes on this. At the but, producer? Producer was Paul Curcio. He wasn't the producer, but he's the guy who's like, he, he's, he's the guy on Megaforce. They're going like, I don't know. This is a song, if you put it like song one, because like that's the first song people are going to listen to. All right, there you go. I don't know. Maybe maybe this band would go on and be still really sort of popular 40 years from now. Metal militia. Weird. But they didn't need that. And it and again, maybe maybe we could discuss that too. It's like how do you go from like this record which again, it, it, you know, it it, it sold. What, what it was originally printed, John. You said like fifteen hundred copies, fifteen hundred yep. copies. That's like a small Indiana town where they don't have cable <laughs> anymore. And it's like we've never had cable. It's that version of Footloose that never got made. That's right, because they don't allow no dancing. And they're they're don't worry, nobody dances to this. And like the hell all our parents other. know who Metallica is, you my, know. I'm like all all of my students know who Metallica is, and I am like, you know, obviously like thirty years older than them. It's 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 a weird weird kind of phenomenon. That that that, that covers like a century of a, a half century of generations, and now we come to. Uh, of course, Metal Militia. Ooh, I think your uh, the name your record player is running slow. That was the that that was the the name of their fan club. You could uh, you could join the Metal Militia because that was that was the drug that they were pushing. Metal. And joining their militia, the Metal Militia. If you're not into metal, then you're not for us. Hmm. Right. It's a good track. Yeah, it's a thrasher. Yeah. It's a Mustang track. And, and then my big solo comes up. <laughs> yeah, then my my big five solos come up. Do, do you think like that, that like image you know that, that sort of impression he leaves on sort of like kind of like i don't know it's, he had like a songwriting style that we come to appreciate from his megadeth days and have we? like kind of like not not what a metallica song would have been otherwise with, with without him you know what he needs he needs mario caldato so that he could just go in the studio record a bunch of stuff and then have somebody else put it together and turn it into songs Mario, see you can't front off that. Exactly there you right. go. Just like somebody like delete. Yeah, like just you be know. like, here's all the stuff I recorded. He's like, awesome. I turned it into ten four and a half minute songs. You're welcome. There you go. How come well, the Beastie well, we Boys t- are I mean, we talked half. about that. We talked about that as being you know a major problem in a Megadeth song where it's like he, there's no editor. And I mentioned at the time, you know, it's like. Tarantino had an editor for a long time who would go in 
and say, this is too much. Take this out, take that, take this, tighten it up. She passed away. And the first thing he does afterwards is hateful eight. It's three hours long <laughs> and it could be two. And, and Mustaine is the same way. You know what I mean? It's just like he has all these sketches and rather than to just let some die a peaceful death on the cutting room floor or become a different song, they all have to go into one song. Well, yeah. and, 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 and the I song it, isn't better for it. Well, then, 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 and again, like that, those are really sort of like, uh, you know, useful sort of analogies to kind of appreciate the much larger artistic process that it, it takes more than just one participant. You know, Dave Mustaine is talented. You know, the four members of Metallica at this period, minus him, are talented too. Um, you know, filmmakers, you know, people who write screenplays, they're all talented, but it, it takes like a, a collaborative team effort too. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I don't, I don't know if anybody bossed, you know, Picasso around told him like, ah, I don't Picasso. Know. Make Guernica smaller. You know, it's just, it's too big. You know, you got to put it in some place where people can see it. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of value in, say, talking to artists about their work. I don't think they're very well in tune to, to what their work means, what it's about, the impact that it has. And I think that's also true about editing. I think that when you, you put restraints on artists and force them to, to cut things down, and then, and then you cut it down a little more. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. There's the great example of like what Ezra Pound did with T.S. Eliot's manuscript of the Wasteland. What? And you look at his edits, and then you get the finished product that everybody knows. And it's like, still don't get it. Still fucking amazing. And it's 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 partly like a collaboration. You know, there's like a lot of filmmakers who just don't know like when to like cut the scene, to like cut out scenes, focus dude, on other things. Even here, dude, uh, I don't say half the brilliant things I could. That's right. We we don't we don't we don't have <laughs> editors either. Let her rip. <laughs> you know, but you got it, a minute. It, 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 and again, the, to, to you know, to extend that analogy again back to uh, to Dave Mustaine too, as the the boots go stomping off with uh, Dave Mustaine to get to the Greyhound station, <laughs> like uh, Metallica is always a band. They're collaborative. They've they've always kind of like worked together. I wouldn't wouldn't always say like completely as a friendship, but certainly that has to be there. But always as a sort of like a partnership. Like what they, would they know? Uh, what what the hell, you know? They want the, the direction of the band to to be like. Can can you name like all of the former members of Megadeth? Who is the who? What is the one constant mem member of, of Megadeth over the past forty years? Mm. Right. Well, I mean, you know, here, so where, 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 would, what what happens to all the bodies? Right in another world where <laughs> Megadeth. Where where Megadeth is never formed and Mustaine stays in Metallica. Yeah. How much longer do they remain Metallica if he stays in the band? What happens to Metallica? I don't know. That that's just sort of like I, I, think, I think they continue on and ne and never gain like huge success the way that they did. They would be a thrash band that had a following like Anthrax, like Slayer. Uh, you know what I mean? There's there's definitely room for those bands, and they would have still done good music. It would I I I don't know. Like I think it would have been fine. They just wouldn't have gotten bigger. 
I, th- I think it's even more sort of uh, saddening to think that like what what Metallica did was so much more sort of groundbreaking is that they they brought the underground to the mainstream uh, without we, we were right there in the Bay Area with and again like in the Bay Area we see like without the benefit of radio play they totally played Metallica on the radio in certain you know chosen bits and pieces and stuff but uh, you know they were a band who eschewed MTV they had nothing to do with like all the sort of like whatever the glam scene was whatever like Motley Crue was doing they just did their own thing and they built a fucking groundswell of a following. I, I don't think they would have been able to do that if they were just doing something that was just sort of like on the level of what, say, Exodus or Testament was doing, where it's just like, let dude, let's just shred. Let's just shred. And then let's see who could play faster and longer and do like, like more intricate solos. You'd just be like, it'd just be like a, a whole scene just filled with like Vinnie Vincent's. It'd just be like, I don't know, nothing against Vinnie Vincent, but like, where's Vinnie Vincent? Drink. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the bingo card. <laughs> That's it. We got to the end. We made it through. That's the first time I've listened to that record all the way through. 40 uh-huh. years later and 51 minutes, we have gotten through Kill Em All. Kill Em All. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think it. I have fond memories of it. I I don't feel any different after the listening party. I, it holds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had yeah. we had yeah yeah yeah. And we, we we had some conversation about it too. Yeah, we did. Like that. I said, the yeah. other Metallica records I like more. We'll yeah. talk yes, about Metallica sure. later on this year when yeah. they get back in the I, saddle. It, it, and, it, it, uh, it, it, it'd be much more interesting. I, I don't again like not knowing Colin's insight, but I, again because we know Colin, I suspect this was not something he picked up in 1983 when he was just graduating from college and stuff and like joining the. Yeah, movie. I mean, I think he's mentioned that. I think you know he went he went back yeah, like this, we this, did. This, this is everybody's sort of like I got to catch up record and, and uh, you know there's there's definitely old heads out there who's like yeah I was right there and I knew Metallica and I knew that they would be like famous and awesome like you're a fucking liar so where <laughs> where, totally a liar where does this where does this record sit is this record for you top ten Metallica records yes um, top ten top ten Metallica records. They only have, I, I mean, how many how many studio records does Metallica have? Uh, well, thirteen. Uh, like I said, they got this. They got Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, uh, Justice for All. Got, got, you got to say, it's like it's you not got like... Uh, the Black Record, Load, Reload, Saint Anger, Death Magnetic. S and M doesn't count. Hardwired to Self Destruct. And then whatever the then, what's the new? I, yeah. I think I think I think it's been seventy-two seasons, so that's eleven studio records. <laughs> so so, so yes, gets 10. booted. <laughs> Have a top right. five to make top five Metallica records for me. Yes, yeah. okay, it's gonna make top five, but like that's right. within a very limited catalog. I, if 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 I had to like pick like the top five like but, I mean, best just... records from the eighties, yeah, I'm gonna. But, no, but no, would it make but... top three for me? No. 
No, but here's the thing. If 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 Kill 'em All is making top five, my assumption is you are eliminating a lot of the m- more recent records. Yes. You know yep. what I mean? So like, I'm guessing like Load and Reload aren't even on there. No. Right? Y- yeah. Like yeah. Black Record is probably on there for you. Not for me. No. No, no me. Not for me. I mean, it's no. really for me. My, probably... my my top three, and and they would probably slide around a little bit. Would be Master, Ride the Lightning, and Injustice for All. Yeah, probably same. Those are the three that I go back back to most. I'm, I might go. I might have Kill 'Em All in my top three instead of Master, just because I'm not crazy about Master. It's good. I'm not crazy about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, mine would either be Ride the Lightning, Kill 'Em All, and Justice for <laughs> what? All. What you? You're not crazy about Master of Puppets? No, I'm not. I just don't have I don't have the love for it that people do, right? So I because would say they were too popular. You know what David does? <laughs> yeah. No, no. See, everybody's I, no. into Master of Puppets. I came, I I came into Metallica at probably their most popular record at the time, right? Injustice for All. Like people were chomping at the bit to buy that okay. record. I and bought that record the back. day it came out. Okay. But okay. I would say for me, Justice Lightning. Kill them all are probably my top three, and maybe Master. You know, maybe Master's like tied for Kill them all, but it's not. It's not in my top two. It's not. It's. It's fine. It's just I, I don't have the affinity for it that a lot of Metallica fans do. Yeah. It's maybe in my top four or five, not my top. And again, it's it, it's it's a weird construction where you you have to like I don't know like can I like a band and just enjoy their music and like. Who's your, which is your favorite Radiohead record? It's like okay, it has to be okay that computer, and that's it. If you if that if uh, you don't say band. okay computer, then you're like, that's where the door is, and also Jeeves will show you out to the valet. But uh, you know the bends. The, the okay top three records are the ones with fucking Cliff on them, and that's it. That's your like pure metal at that. If you give that answer at like. You know, between songs or between sets at the at the rock show there in Lancaster, Jeeves, can you show this gentleman back to his Corolla? And that's gonna be it. I'm confused. Now. But uh, you know, I don't know. Just like enjoy all the records and be and be, and be grateful for the fact that these guys are still putting out records and 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 that they've evolved too. They've evolved with the scene in a way that like. Very few bands have been able to do. I'm I'm a simple caveman. I know you're you're just a simple caveman lawyer. <laughs> David, run a little poll on the Twitter tomorrow. Let's right, let's have people rank yeah. rank the Metallica records and see where right. that yeah, yeah, yeah. comes in. But it's just like I don't top, know if we can like, do two polls on Facebook. It's, It'll just yeah, be it's someone, it's you know, uh, it's always aggressive. We can do though. yeah, we it's always aggressive it. because like yeah, yeah, because people have 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 their minds made up about music that perhaps they haven't listened to or didn't listen to in the right environment and stuff i don't know i i listen to uh you know hardwired uh to self-destruct it's like people really like that good. record it's I've really ne- i've good. never i've never listened to it you people should totally listen to it listen to, might. just listen to like one song like uh i might i mean i won't what would be a good song like uh mm, atlas not, not the atlas uh, mm, what's the cthulhu song Call of yeah, there's there's like there's like a Cthulhu song on there. God damn. He awakened. Right, shall we? Yeah, we better. 
just dead. Otherwise, otherwise we're just going to sit around and light couches on fire. Thanks oh. again for joining us. Will there be Keystone? To... Maybe. Metallica's <laughs> debut record, Kill Em All, 1983. Uh, we'll have some more listing parties coming up this year, some head-to-head anniversary episodes. Uh, follow us on the Twitter at M-A-M-H-Pod. Follow yeah. us on the Instagram at Metal Podcast. Follow us on Facebook where we have photos. You can ask questions. Giveaways. Some, some raccoon picks now and again for you to enjoy. Uh, yeah, we got the giveaways. You can, you can party with Tony and us. Sweat bands. Sweatbands, buttons, stickers. What you name it. What, what do you want? We Oof, got what it. What do we got? Also, coasters. Also, coasters. coasters. Also known as beer everything's mats. a coaster if you got time. Something to put your PBR on. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>